Hello everybody, welcome to The Hastings Harvest, where I interview some of the most inspiring young minds, creators, and educators within their area of expertise and try to harvest how they go about their craft. Two years, about two years I've been waiting for this podcast interview with Brian Turner. Brian Turner is a vegan bodybuilder, YouTuber, and someone I consider my internet father. He's someone I've looked up to since the very start of my content creation journey. I've been following him throughout the whole thing and he's been there to support me even when my brand was very small and finally I was able to meet with him in person when we stayed in an Airbnb together in his hometown of San Diego, California and it was a really incredible time and we had such an incredible talk. This is part one of a two-part podcast and part two can only be accessed on my Patreon which is patreon.com slash Cole Hastings. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's a platform where I'm putting out exclusive content that can't be found anywhere else as well as giving one-on-one advice to some of my patrons depending on what tier you pledge. So basically you just do a monthly pledge and you get exclusive content from me. So if you want to check out part two of this podcast as well after this part one and you're just really antsy and you want to get exclusive content from me, go to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Cole Hastings, and you can help support my brand and get some goodies along with it. So in the first part of this podcast, which you're about to listen to, we go over why he went vegan, what he eats, and why he tends to stay away from fats, usually what skinny fat people should do to build muscle and lose fat, the optimal training split, and social media advice for beginners. There is so much good stuff, as usual, in the Hastings Harvest podcast. And this was uh, so special. Finally got to meet with Brian Turner. Love the dude. If you guys want to check out Brian Turner, you can just look up Brian Turner on YouTube and you'll find him or on Instagram. It's Brian Turner official. He also has two other secondary channels on YouTube, which are called Team Acne for people with acne and Brian Turner invests if you are interested in investing. But that is it. Without further ado, let's get into this podcast with Brian Turner, my dad, but not actually my dad. Ah, Brian Turner, my internet father. Hey. This is long anticipated, even though I say that with a lot of my podcasts, but (laughs) this one, for real, for real, I remember asking you almost a year ago now, probably, in the DMs, I'm like, hey, I have a podcast, you want to come on? You were like, nah, let's just, like, you don't like doing them in person, because yeah, things go wrong, and I know this as a podcast host. I hate doing it digitally. I hate it. Yeah. Things go wrong, yeah, for sure. Uh, and he's like, "Yeah, let's just wait until you know. One day we'll probably meet up." Here we are in our Airbnb, and we are here finally talking on this podcast. And funnily enough, I have nothing planned, but we will definitely have good topics to talk about. Oh yeah, if the camera was rolling for like the last two days, we would have like a seven-hour podcast already. I know we were we were overeaten by the the dinner table just rambling about different stuff for like an hour and then on our hike too maybe we'll integrate some of the stuff we've talked about already we get into into the podcast so first off let's just have you introduce yourself because not everyone who's watching or listening right now knows who you are so yeah just just give a brief introduction what you do who you are sure yeah so i'm brian turner i've been doing 
bodybuilding for 12 years, YouTube for about nine or 10 years. Started as like a fitness channel, moved into being an acne channel, moved back into fitness channel, then went vegan. So now it's like a vegan fitness channel. Then I also have a separate channel that's for acne and I have another separate channel that's for investments. And that's kind of like the super, super, super quick version of what I do. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I do a bunch of other stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Brian was one of the very first like vegan bodybuilders I followed and someone who I had seen on YouTube before, but didn't know who he was before. Uh, like I actually started getting into him. I actually watched him. You know, we've talked about this. I watched him on Sean Thompson yeah. TV's channel when you guys did a collab. This Throwback. is like one of the OG fitness YouTubers. Brian is also one of the OG fitness YouTubers too. A lot of people don't know that before he even went vegan, he was one of like the first big guys collabing with people like, you know, Matt does fitness, Rob you know, Lipset, Rob Lipset. All of these people are huge. Now he was all like a part of that. And you know, you kind of ventured off into your own type of things. And now you're, you know, one of the biggest vegan bodybuilders there are, which is super dope. Uh, and yeah, let's, let's talk about veganism and kind of, I do like to talk about this. What made you want to get into veganism? What was the first thing that inspired you to go vegan uh, and your whole fitness wellness journey, how that kind of started in general? Yeah. I mean, so like I said, I've been bodybuilding for a really long time. I originally started bodybuilding because I was really skinny. People used to pick on me because I was like 130 pounds, six foot one. So people would be like, I can see your ribs. You need to eat a burger. Um, so I started bodybuilding because of that. Shortly after, maybe about a year and a half, two years into bodybuilding, I started getting acne all over my face. And that was just because I was eating so many calories, but also a good majority of those calories were from dairy because in the normal, like the, the original fitness world of YouTube, it was like, get your whey protein shakes in, get your mass gainers in, eat a couple of protein bars a day. For a period of time, there was this diet called the Go Mad Diet, which is a gallon of milk a day diet. So stupid. Which I subscribed to. I did that. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, at the time, I didn't realize that that was what was causing my acne. And then I just kept loading up more. And so like, not only was it causing my acne, I was just doing like 20 servings of dairy a day. So my acne got super, super bad. Went on Accutane, it didn't work for maybe about a year. Uh, and then finally my doctor was like, hey, well maybe some of my clients have seen improvements from taking whey protein supplements out of their diet because dermatologists aren't allowed to give diet advice. It's out of their legal scope of practice. So it kind of like hinted at it. So I was like, all right, cool. Well, if whey protein is made out of dairy, I'm just gonna take dairy out entirely. And then finally Accutane started working. So then I got off of Accutane and I was like, sweet, my acne's gone. I can kind of just go back to what I was doing. So I started putting like Quest bars, protein bars, whey protein shakes back in. And almost immediately, like a few months after I was done with Accutane and started doing this dairy again, cysts started coming back. So I was just like terrified. Cause I was like, dude, this is what I've been working so hard to get rid of. And now it's already coming back. And I literally did the, the strongest drug you could ever do to stop your acne. And I'm already back to square one. Um, so then I just thought about it more and I was like, all right, well I took dairy out that helped a bunch. Um, so then I, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to do like a challenge because veganism was starting to kind of get trendy. My really, really, really good friend for literally a decade on YouTube, uh, John Venus, started going vegan and I saw him do it and I was like, all right, well, that looks fun, man. It'll be a good way for me to take dairy out, really take control of my acne, but also it'll be fun, like 
challenge series for my YouTube. People like watching you do like keto for a month or mm-hmm. do a competition prep. So I'll do it for a couple videos for a month. Um, and then my acne started getting way better. And then I started kind of just like venturing down the path of like, what's, what's veganism about? What, what, what's the, the other reasons that people get into this? So I started finding out about health improvements. And then I finally started finding out about the ethical side of things. And then from there it just spiraled. And so, you know, where it started as an acne thing originally, now it's moved to an ethical position. And then the other things are just side benefits, the health benefits and the acne stuff. That's all like, oh, that's also sweet. I'll take it. But at mm-hmm. this point, none of that even matters. For me, it's an ethical position. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've had kind of the same journey starting out, you know, athletes influenced me and then I moved towards more of the ethical things, but I didn't know you knew John Venus for that long. How did you guys, yeah, man, like I said, how did you guys link? Like I've been doing YouTube for a real, real long time, man. Was John Venus also a part of that core of fitness like youtuber guys so here's the funny story man and and because you're kind of like newer at youtube i mean you put your due diligence in but like you'll see when you get to like decade and stuff so much stuff changes and people's positions and ranks will change and you'll be like that person who used to be on the top is now like kind of like lower and this smaller person is now the best yada yada Mm. yada so back then when i was doing uh like youtube houses that's where we had like rod Livset come in we had like jasmine garcia obese to beast I, I helped him take off a bunch of different people um so i was kind of like i was starting to get connected i had worked really hard for maybe five six years no traction finally started catching traction uh chelsea lifts helped me start like connecting with people and then from that influence i started youtube house and basically having six to ten youtubers come in stay for two weeks and that was like a season and we did a couple seasons so i started to really like put the inroads in, start helping me grow a lot. A lot of them started blowing up from that as well. But at the same time, John Venus had not grown yet. He was, he used to be quest for fitness. That was what his channel was called. Yeah. I've seen like his, uh, his YouTube username URL is yep. like quest for fitness. Nobody knows that. Yeah. He used to have really long hair. At one point he had cornrows and, and, and <laughs> it, was, it was a whole different John Venus. Um, but he hadn't caught traction yet. Um, and so he was, he was kind of like a, a supporter of my channel like he was watching and commenting all the time and i was like dude i like this guy like he's foreign and so like i don't he doesn't have like the same audience as me quite yet um and i, I don't know he just hadn't caught traction yet but i just really liked he was putting so much effort into his like cinematography he had gone through film school so he had that touch to his videos and stuff um and yeah so i just started like showing him love and stuff um and basically i helped him grow and then that's how he got bigger in the fitness industry and then we fast forward a couple of years, we had both grown because then we both had footing in the fitness industry. And then he went vegan first, maybe for six months. So then he got the footing in the vegan industry. So when I went vegan, mm-hmm. he was able to then help me back out. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, it's crazy how much uh, just fitness YouTube in general has like evolved and everything. And yet all of you still kind of know each other. Yeah, and I feel like, I don't know, it, it kind of feels like not a lot of YouTube niches are like that. I feel like that everyone in the fitness industry is pretty closely knit, even though we have talked about how like once you get to a certain subscriber point, it's just like everybody knows everybody in that niche. Right. Uh, but very cool story. Very cool. Um, I want to go over your diet a little bit, your workouts, because, you know, you show mostly your diet, but full day of eatings sometimes aren't like the everyday meals you're having. Um, And yeah, I just want to go more into 
what you eat and why you eat it. Uh, and then I have another question I want to ask you about like specifically your macros. Sure. Uh, but yeah, talk a little bit about how much protein you eat, like why and how many calories you're eating right now, how someone can get into vegan bodybuilding and start to build muscle. Like what are the key components? Yeah. Well, like, yeah, what you just said is totally true. Full day of eatings. If you think about it, if, if you make one a week or one every two weeks, if you really make the everyday meals that you make every day after the 14th episode, people will be like, I've seen it. Right. 14 times exactly so you do have to like spice it up and it's not like you're lying sure like on certain days when you're feeling you know extra energy on sundays or whatever i'll cook these weird meals and stuff but generally yeah like if you're super busy and you're working really hard and you're like oh i just need to go to the kitchen to make my meal real quick you're not going to be making like a 14 step fettuccine alfredo recipe you're going to be making the rice beans and sauce on top absolutely so yeah um i would say i guess we could go into the specifics of the food later if you want but i would say for protein, in the very beginning when I came into veganism, I was overshooting protein heavily. I really, because that's, that's the fitness industry. You try to get as much protein as possible, right. bro. And then I undershot it because I, I, the, the mantra in the vegan world is like, you don't need as much protein as you think. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people will say like, you can get all the protein you need from just fruits or just vegetables. And like, there's kind of like a happy medium, I would yeah, say, if you're trying to gain definitely. muscle, definitely not just like live and be alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, at one point I was at like 110 grams of protein, 115 grams of protein. And now I've moved that target to somewhere around 130 to 145 grams of protein a day. But generally I will overshoot that just because I eat a lot of calories. And so that's the answer to your next question, which is, um, how much calories do I eat? It changes heavily. So like at the top of my bulks, when I'm heaviest, which will be somewhere around 208 to 212 pounds, I'll be eating around 5,000 to 6,000 calories a day. Um, Right now, because of COVID and not having gyms and stuff, I basically was kind of forced to just diet up and get like leaner. And so right now I'm like at 195 or six or something like that. So right now I'm aiming for somewhere around 4,000 to 4,500 calories. And when I get to like competition prep weight, which is like somewhere around 180 pounds, definitely single digit body fats. That's where I'll get down to around 2,800 to 3,200 calories. So what do you suggest? Because a lot of people when they go vegan have a very tough time eating enough, especially to gain muscle, to bulk up. Everybody, every skinny guy or girl has this problem of the food is way too filling. How the hell could you possibly eat enough to keep bulking what what are the strategies that you use yeah so like i said i started i was 130 pounds i had no stomach capacity so when i first started trying to gain weight i would lift super hard but then i wouldn't put weight on so i just couldn't figure it out and then people were like you're the answer is simple you're not eating enough that's all there's no secret food right. that you need to eat there's no secret workout that you're not doing right so you're not eating enough food i would i would say that that is even more important than like getting in the perfect amount of protein is just eating a shit ton. Like you want to gain muscle, eat more. That's, that's really crucial. Especially as like a hard gainer in the very beginning, carbs are your friend. Yeah. But one, one thing, actually, this is something I've been wondering, honestly, it's really hard to, to recommend what like a skinny fat person does. So I usually tell them like, because if they w- they want to shred some fat off them, yeah. Um, do you suggest someone who's like kind of fat but not actually fat, like they just 
eaten a caloric surplus or do you suggest they first like slim down a little bit eating a deficit shred down and then try to bulk up yes. but, but while they're in that caloric deficit they're still doing resistance training so they're still going to build muscle because it is possible to lose fat and build muscle yeah it's called recomping yeah this is like an age-old question man and there's like a million factors to it and this question has like been asked a trillion different ways but i feel right. like it's it's where you're emotionally at can you handle adding a little more fat than where you are now to be able to gain more muscle before you do finally start your dieting phase and lose that fat and if you can't then you shouldn't start with a surplus. You should maybe start dieting. But it also, it depends on where you are in your training. So like, are you three years into training or are you brand new? Because when you're brand new, recomping is actually pretty easy. Right. You, you, could eat, you could eat in a deficit and actually right. still be and adding muscle. Yep. Because yep. your testosterone Absolutely. and things like that basically are primed because that's the first time you're pushing them up naturally. So I would say like, if you're brand new, recomp, basically eat at your maintenance. Don't try to eat below. Don't try to eat above. And your body is naturally going to kind of switch the ratio of body fat to muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you maybe have been training for a long time and you already feel like you have too much body fat, then start with a diet. And if you're okay with adding a little body fat, then go for a bulk for six months, add some serious size and take advantage of the strength that you can gain from it. And then do a slow deficit where you're really lean, uh, like taking off body fat without losing muscle. Yeah. Skinny fat is a hard one, man. Skinny fat is really hard. It is. It really is. Um, And I completely agree with that. That's, it it does really depend on where you're at, how long you've been training. That's perfect. Uh, So that question that I wanted to ask you about your diet specifically, getting to know you, editing your full day of eating videos, and just being here, seeing what you eat more closely. It's not that you're anti-fat, you're anti-fat, but it seems like, you really try to not eat fat when necessary. Even though we did have tahini last night. It was last night, right? Yep. You already forgot the days, bro. <laughs> I am. It's only been two. <laughs> I know. It has <laughs> felt kind of longer. Uh, but yeah, why is it that you, because you say a lot in your videos like, oh, this is really low in fat. It's only got, it's got like zero grams of fat and it's all carbs. Or like you stay away from, like I bought peanut butter it doesn't seem like you eat peanut butter too often. It's like, what? It, what's your, why do you do that? What's the thought process behind that? Yeah, so like with with fats, you definitely need it. We all know this. You have to have all the macros. You can't just like cut anything all the way out. That's yeah. stupid. Your body needs everything. Yeah. But there is a point where the fats, there's a limit where it's like, yeah, that's how much you need for the day. And then the rest of it, there's no, there's no need for it. It's just that you happen to like more fat. Mm-hmm. So for me, as you could tell, I really like to stay lean. I really try to keep on top of my diet and stuff. And the way that like your body works is after you're past a, a certain surplus in calories, your insulin that you're, you're basically having go up when you're eating big meals of carbs. If you're in a surplus, your insulin is going to try to shuttle carbs into your glycogen stores and fat into your fat stores. So if it's possible, I like to just have the amount of fat that I need per day just to stay alive, which is like 15 to 25% of my diet. Gotcha. But any like frivolous fats and also any frivolous sugars, I feel like I feel like while there is just like surplus and deficit, and that's like to dumb it down to make it super simple, I feel like having higher fats while eating in surpluses is going to add extra fat during your bulking period where you could have bulked leaner. And then in the future when you diet, you're gonna have more work to take off the body fat and again, for me, it's not like something that I crave. It's not like, oh my gosh, if this has no fats, I'm not happy with the meal. 
you know me, I, I just eat like eight potatoes with some ketchup and I'm yeah. stoked. I don't yeah, need, yeah. I don't need to put like butter on it or sour cream or anything like that. Yeah. You got me kind of addicted to that. <laughs> yeah. The potatoes are good, man. Yeah. Um, so what, what do you think about keto diets and like these super high fat diets, but people are like losing weight? Yeah. I mean, keto. <laughs> yeah. I've, I have my bad thoughts about it too. Yeah. But not, not good. It's trendy, right? And like, and the science is actually strong, right? Like your body does go into ketosis, creates ketones, and then your body will burn those ketones. And in theory, it's kind of like um, high intensity cardio versus low intensity cardio. Low intensity cardio does work off of your fat stores and high intensity cardio works off your, your carbs. But in reality, most people are not gonna do four hours of low intensity cardio versus the 30 minutes of high intensity cardio you could do. It's the same thing with keto. Sure, keto is gonna make you burn fat cells more by turning them into ketones, but it comes with a caveat of you're gonna have the crappiest workouts of your life. And so if I'm double performing you in the gym, maybe you're using all your fat cell energy, but I'm doing twice the intensity that I could have done. So I feel like that's the trade-off is that people have worse workouts. Their glycogen never re restores, like it never refills fully because you don't have any carbs to refill your glycogen. And then you're doing less volume and less intensity. And generally your brain is fogged, your energy is low. And so your workouts are, you know, they're the thing that suffer. And when your workouts are suffering, you're going to lose more muscle while you're in that deficit. And really like the big point when you're in a diet is just to try and maintain as much strength as you can so that you can hold on to much as much muscle as you can while you're in a deficit so you can lose the body fat. I feel like a lot of people think ketosis is awesome because they're not actually bodybuilders and not people who are trying to maintain muscle. They're just regular people and they want to be able to eat burgers and cheese and bacon and eggs. But when you are doing it for muscle, a lot of people you'll see them do, you know, keto and they'll be stoked. They'll get super skinny. And then they'll start eating carbs again and they'll be like, I look so good. But re in reality, they lost like 35 pounds when they should have lost like 20 pounds. I've seen it happen like a million times. Yeah. Very good explanation. I'm glad I asked that because I didn't, you know, I don't have as much knowledge as you on that subject. Uh, so yeah, thank you for that. In terms of your workouts, what do you do for a workout? And it, like, is that the most optimal workout for everyone? And like what or what should a beginner do when first going to the gym? What should they really be focusing on? Yeah, I mean, it, we're just talking about building muscle here, not like God. There's so many factors to all this stuff, right? Like, how yeah. many how many days are you willing to work out? How much do you care? Do you care a lot or a little? Do you just want to look a little better at the beach, or do you like really want to make this a long time lifestyle for you? So, I would say if you're brand new, you never lifted ever before, this first time going to the gym, the best thing that you can do is to concentrate on increasing your strength. Because a lot of people, like me, you, the first thing you wanna do is get yoked. And you look it up and you're like, oh, high volume hypertrophy workouts, that's how you get yoked. But if you think about it, if you can't lift heavy weights, sure you're doing 16 reps, but you're doing 16 reps with a really light weight. If first for the first couple of months or six months or year, you focus on being able to hit heavy weights and then you start scaling those heavy weights from doing three or four or five reps to using the same weight, but being able to get up to 10 and then 12 and 16 reps with those same heavy weights, you're gonna gain a lot more size than just doing like 30 reps of 15 pound dumbbells for the entire year. Um, so I don't know. I would say probably a push-pull legs workout is great if you're gonna do a three times a week 
uh, workout. And then if you just want to do two times up or lower, um, and then if you have a little bit more, if you want to go a lot more, then you can do an upper lower a rest day and then an upper lower. So you're hitting it four times a week. If you want to go crazy because you just love lifting, you can do a push pull legs, rest, push pull legs, rest. I think those are like the two best beginner workouts. What about full body? Did you did you say that? I think full body is a good idea that is executed poorly by people who are beginners. Because really think about it, man, like how many people are able to push themselves at a high elite level of athleticism? Not a lot. Unless you were like already doing like high level football or soccer or whatever sport and you already understand how to push yourself to the limit, a lot of people are gonna get in there and be like, there's a lot of stuff. So they're just gonna right. do some half-ass squats, some half-ass back rows, some CDK rows and a couple half-ass pushes. And they're gonna be like, yeah, I do full body, dude, I'm hardcore. But really think about how many muscles there are you're just going to develop the frontal muscles. Your shoulders are just going to be the front of the shoulders. You're not going to hit your rear delts. You're just going to hit your pecs. You're not going to think about all this, the smaller muscles, your serrates, all the, like the things that really make things pop and look good. Mm -hmm. But again, it's, it's like, are you going to be a strength athlete? Are you talking about muscle? So there's a lot of variations. Right. Yeah. I, the reason I sometimes suggest full body workouts for beginners is because, you know, that forces you because you don't want to be in there all day that forces you to pick the absolute like best exercises for each muscle group and therefore you're probably only going to be doing compound exercises these are the exercises that require more than one muscle group and those are the best for building muscle by far right. that's like 80 percent of the gains is going to come from compound exercises but yeah there is the trade-off of you're not going to get those you know, the details yep. with a full body workout, which I definitely noticed. But like I said, for, I think for beginners, it can be okay because like they're just focusing on putting on size at that point. Right. Uh, but it's like, how serious do you want to take it? Yeah. So yeah, it, it does matter how serious you want to take it. Full body, I think could be good for people who maybe don't want to take it too serious, but they know what they're getting into with. Cause I remember when I started doing full body workouts like a year ago and I decided to switch to them just to see how it was. Yeah. By like the last third of the workout, I was gassed like from oh, all yeah. the stuff I was doing. I was like, I'm doing, especially when I was doing it in the gym right. at home, it's a different story, but bench squat and deadlift in the same day. Yeah. With as heavy a weight crazy. as you can. Yep. It's, it was crazy. So yeah, I guess it really, it really, there are so many different factors, but overall, the compound lifts, upper, lower, or push-pull legs, good splits. Uh, make sure you're utilizing progressive overload, which is increasing in weight or reps or maybe your form. Or time every, under tension. Or time under tension, yes, every single week or almost every single week. You're not going to hit a PR every workout, you right. know. Uh, and then, of course, you know, eating a shit ton. <laughs> you got <laughs> For the to. most part. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, and that's, that's just, we're talking about beginners, you know, and then right. eventually when you do know what you're doing a little bit more and when you do have a base of like what your lifts are like and what your body responds to best and where your weak points are and stuff, then you start moving into like intermediate and advanced workouts, which then can be all over the place. So the, we're just covering like the For basics, sure. but like my workout isn't any of those things. So like, I don't know if you want me to say what my workouts are. Yeah. Well, I mean, give the people a little glimpse. Yeah. It's super simple. It's just it's kind of like a push pull legs, but it's more detailed. So, uh, chest, shoulders, and triceps, but on the shoulders portion, it's the front and mid delts because when you're pushing, when you're benching, those are, those are synergistic muscles, the yep. same muscles that are being hit in a bench. So then afterwards you're doing overhead presses, lateral raises, cause you're hitting the same area. 
And then tricep, obviously, same thing when you're pushing, you're hitting your triceps. So all that works together. Then on the pull day, it'll be back, it'll be lower traps, it'll be rear delts and biceps. Again, synergistic muscles. And then the leg day is just a leg day. And then I repeat that. So I do six days straight and then I do one day rest. The first three days tend to be heavier weights, lower reps. And then the, the other three days tend to be higher, higher rep, like hypertrophy work. I think, yeah, I think that's important too, is I like to do low rep ranges, like five by fives in my workouts, as well as like going up to like 12 reps. Uh, I, I think that's most optimal and you can do that on the same day with different exercises or like you do on different, different days, different rep ranges. So, yeah, yeah, I think we've covered pretty much everything in the whole the fit, bodybuilding fitness. and veganism scheme of things. I guess we could go over a little bit of just like your favorite sources of like, like let's, let's have you name your favorite carb source, favorite fat source and favorite protein source, or maybe a couple, a few protein sources, because again, I, I still, still get messages about what are you eating? Even though I'm putting out all these full day of eating right. things. And the, th- you know, the thing is with that, it's like, so many people ask you, what are you eating? How do you, how do you look the way you do? Yeah. And I'm doing the same things as you or whatever. It's like, I've been doing this for years. It's going to take years first off to get, you know, a really solid physique. Right. And then number two, you know, you might eat those things or do those things every once in a while. You have to be consistent, Mm -hmm. like do it consistently over years and you will see the results you want. Otherwise, if you're still asking these things after years, you're just not putting in the discipline. You're kidding yourself in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Your consistency is not there. One month you're on one month you're off. If you add that up, it's all net zero. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, I I've had this question asked a million times, but uh, carbs, you know this because now you've eaten with me for two days. Potatoes, right? right by course. far, russet potatoes. Of course, bada bush. Um, but then I would say pasta is maybe my second favorite because you can get like you know fourteen hundred calories in, in just a it seems like a small bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then rice right after that. Although I feel bad saying rice is like third, but you know rice is, <laughs> rice is bomb. But you know, yeah, there's my two carbs. Um, and then fat sources, uh, I would say like my fat sources come from like residual fats in things a lot. So like. Like for example, when I when I have pasta, the pasta sauce comes with fats. That like the serving is like I think two point five grams of fat, and I use like five servings, so already I'm getting fifteen grams right there, something like that. Um, but like direct fat sources would be nut butters. So like tahini is generally my my biggest one right now because I make a sauce out of that and make a big stir fry bootable thing out of it. Um, and then like avocados probably third, and sometimes I eat nuts and seeds, hemp hearts in my like smoothies and stuff like that. Um, as far as protein goes. It's hard because, like, uh, I would say, like, everybody wants to hear soy and tofu. I like tofu and tempeh a lot, and that does come in quite a bit. Um, but I'd say, like, the majority of my protein probably comes from beans, um, lentils, things like that. I can, like, throw into pasta and stuff, or I can put it on, like, a, a big rice and beans with salsa, like, just dish real quick. Um, when it comes to, like, pastas, you can get those bean pastas that have high protein, like bonza. And so that will also be a huge source of my protein. Um, and I'd say those are my biggest ones, but then there's so many other things, right? Like when I make smoothie, I use ripple milk and there's already 30 grams of protein right there. Cause I use like four servings. I use a scoop of protein in there. Now you're at like 55 grams of protein for a smoothie. So yeah, I mean, there's a ton of different ways. 
even the vegetables I, I eat, I eat so much vegetables. Like when we're here, not so much, but when I'm on my own, eat a ton of vegetables. If you have 10 servings of broccoli, that's like 30 something grams of protein. People just underestimate. Even oats have a ton of protein in them. Right. Yeah. Like a couple of oats is 10 grams. Quinoa, so yeah, a ton of it, protein. It, there's, yeah, you got to get creative with it and just like you utilize the high protein sources from each food group. Yeah. You know, it's like quinoa is the high protein carb source. Right. Broccoli is the high protein, really good vegetable for you source. You add those things into the meal and then you're at like 40 grams of protein. Yeah. I did notice also you do eat like a lot, of, a lot more protein than me. Do you just do that just because like for uh, just for reassurance, like just knowing like there's no way I didn't hit my protein or it's like, is that pretty much it? Yeah, probably. It's like an insurance policy. Or do you have like, is that back your mind from the old fitness days still lingering like protein, protein, protein? If you were watching <laughs> back then, man, you'd be like not even close. Back then I was having 400 grams of protein a day. Well, that's ridiculous. So like right now me overshooting and hitting 185 is still like less than half of what I was getting back then. Right. But I would say, yeah, probably most, mostly insurance policy. Like I said earlier in my vegan world, I was eating so little that now I think my optimal is 145. So mm -hmm. yeah, anything past 145 is just insurance. But any, if, gotcha. I'm, if I'm lower, I'm, I'm really like, I think I'm missing on my protein today. So yeah, probably gotcha. mostly insurance. Gotcha. Let's get into social media. Uh, a lot of people now want to be content creators, want to start their own brand, want to be a digital nomad, stuff like that. And now we've both gotten to that point of pretty much, I mean, me pretty much being able to do it uh, for a living, which yep. is incredible. It's amazing. You know, it's uh, just such an incredible job to have. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not for everyone, but for the people who really know they want to do it, let's let's talk about it and give them, give them some tips about it. So I guess like so many people ask me personally, how do I start? Like, how do I just, it seems like so overwhelming. What platform should I start with? Uh, like what type of stuff should I make? Like, how do I, I want to be like you. How do I even start? Right. Uh, well, number one tip is what, what do you consume the most? So if you watch a lot of YouTube videos, you should start with YouTube. If you consume a lot of Instagram, you start with Instagram, whatever it is, because if you just think that people like YouTube the most, but you don't even watch YouTube and you hate videos, you're going to hate making videos for sure. So I'd say that's probably like the quickest, easiest one, but I would say it's really, it's really hard because what you're going to get an answer from most influencers when you ask that question is just start. That's what everyone says. I say that quite often. <laughs> and it is a really good piece of advice. Right. But I would say with a caveat of think for, take a week or two and think deeply. Really focus on what you're watching, what you're consuming. And then think, if I start a channel about whatever genre, video gaming, fitness, recipes, whatever it is, am I going to still want to make this content in one year, in two years, in five years, in 10 years? Mm -hmm. Because YouTube is no longer this place where people just follow you for you and like, oh, right now I'm into tattooing people. And then next year I'm into mountain hiking. And then next year I'm into recipes. None of your previous audience will follow you to a completely, completely new genre. And so I think a lot of people will have trouble is that they're excited about something right now. They're super hyped on whatever keto or something and they make a whole keto channel and then they're done being keto 
And then they either are pigeonholed into having to still make keto videos, even though they don't care about keto anymore, but that's the whole audience. That's the only time they get views or they will switch and then they'll be super depressed because their views go down. They lose all that effort. So I would say really think about what you want to do and make sure it is something you're really happy with making in a couple of years. Yeah. That's so important is the question you need to ask is what type of audience do you want to build? What type of people do you want consuming your content? I was definitely really lucky to get a natural switch in my content and I actually accepted it and enjoyed it because I was starting to get, at least on YouTube, I was starting to get kind of drained with the veganism content, the fitness content. I felt like I did everything I could. Whereas self-help, I feel like I'm even more passionate about making videos about and I can be more creative with it. Yep. Uh, and a few of my videos blew up with NoFap and stuff like that. And my self-help videos are the ones that do best now. And so I was like, okay, this is the first 3,000 subscribers I had all care about veganism fitness. The next 20,000 all care about self-help. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make videos like this. And for YouTube specifically, uh, and maybe, I don't know, I guess this can apply to other platforms, but your audience's reaction to your videos is what determines what the algorithm is going to do with your video, where it's going to push it out. So, you know, when I make videos about fitness or veganism now, they just do so much worse because my audience didn't care. So my, the algorithm's like, okay, this has a low click through rate. No one cares. We're not going to push it out to people. So think about what audience you want to build. Um, and you know, if you want to, if you're thinking even farther into it is like, how can I monetize this? Cause some, I mean, technically you can make money off anything, but some niches are like, okay, this will be easier than others to monetize. Uh, so think about that as well. And yeah, a lot of the times the content you consume is not the content you want to make either. Like I consume on YouTube, whole lot of gaming content stuff, not related to what I don't really consume self-help content anymore either. Right. And so, yeah, just make sure it's stuff that you're actually passionate about and you got to bring, you got to bring some type of unique flavor to it because YouTube, YouTube is tougher to grow on than it was years ago. Now for sure. Absolutely. Uh, everybody wants to be a YouTuber. So the only way to stand out really is what I tell people is you, you gotta, you know, be authentic. You gotta be, I I know that's like terrible advice, kind of like, Oh, just be yourself. But like, the more I open up about my stories of the past, the more my audience relates to me. And now I feel like I have a really uh, dedicated audience than I did when I was just making like what I eat. I'm telling my story in videos. I'm telling all of the struggles I've gone through, all the problems I've had. And they're like, this is, this is someone I can relate to. This is a real guy. Mm-hmm. Like I could be like, I get a lot of comments. Like you're like my brother from another mother. Like we're, we, we would be best friends in real life. And like, that's, you need to bring something like that to the table, at least on, I guess on YouTube, but you know, every platform is different. I think being relatable is super important. Yeah. For most genres, I would agree. Um, I've always, I've said this for freaking years is if somebody can feel like when they're watching you, if they feel like 
in real life, if this person wasn't a YouTuber and stuff, in real life, I just ran to this person, they would be my friend, you got a viewer for life. For sure. But a lot of people do try to present themselves as a different person than they really are. Some people are just bad at being authentic. And some people, it just takes years until you get normal in front of the glass. Because sometimes when you turn the camera on, you're all, <gasps> hello, uh, welcome to my yeah. full day of eating. This is potatoes. <laughs> like, you got you to gotta be able to like get calm and stuff. But it does take some time to get used to that. For sure. Yeah, I remember at the start, I, I wasn't really myself on camera. No, but it was. Yeah. And you're just, I would just want to, I like... The energy I putting out, I was putting out was like, "What's going on, guys? Yeah, it's Cole Hastings. Like, I'm not really like that in real life. I'm like relaxed, chill dude. And I started being more like that, not having that type of energy, just giving off more authentic energy. Right. And I feel like that's when I really started to grow. Is once you st- start to get comfortable on camera. But like, yeah, if you're afraid of what people are gonna think of you, like not being good on camera, the only way to get better is to do it over and over and that's like with anything in life the way you actually learn is not by just consuming like you can watch a ton of how to be youtuber videos like okay great i know everything and then you turn on the camera and you don't like you're not good it's because you actually have to put yourself out there and put yourself on camera a bunch of times and then you eventually get good so don't like it doesn't matter what your school your high school is going to say about your fucking youtube channel or something like that like i had people roasting me who still do from my hometown yeah about my youtube channel especially when i first started no subscribers it's like what are people going to think of me yeah and it's like they are gonna they're probably gonna roast you totally so just it's gonna happen so just accept it uh who really cares those are usually the people that are too afraid to do it themselves, right? Dude, this is like a philosophical conversation, but this is, this goes beyond just social media. Anything that you do that's beyond the norm, that's not just you getting a nine to five, going to college and drinking beer and watching football every single Friday is gonna be weird and people are gonna call you a weirdo. So even beyond YouTube, if you're just into fitness a bunch and you start taking your diet seriously, people are gonna be like, you freaking loser. You're not gonna have mozzarella sticks and buffalo wings with us. And you'd be like, no, I just, I don't wanna gain fat. I wanna take my athletic thing seriously anything you do like that you're going to start your own business people are going to say oh you idiot everybody fails you know 95 percent of businesses fail anything you do that's not completely average is going to make people make fun of you but if you do the average you're never going to reach any sort of lofty goal that's beyond the average so if you sure. have a big goal be prepared because crabs in a bucket they're going to try to pull you down and if you want to do something extraordinary you just got to believe in yourself and source your own motivation source your own support and you source your own encouragement until people start seeing you succeed you prove your point then people will start jumping onto your boat and supporting you but that may be one year maybe two years it may be six years i didn't get any traction until five or six years into my youtube channel everybody thought it was stupid then how how long i want to i want to let them know this how long did it take you to make any sort of money off your youtube videos that's five six years until i started getting the traction that actually made money Mm -hmm. and back then like if people like normal people would see that money and be like, oh, this is still isn't worth it. Like I'm not making more money than someone minimum wage. I was still making less. But for me, kind of like you, I was just like, anything's amazing. I have a thousand subscribers. I made $112 this month on my ads, even yeah. though I made a video every single day. But the reason it's exciting is because you see the potential that other people can't see. And you say, okay, if it's 112 right now, maybe as I 10 times this, then it can be a thousand. Then I can really start taking care of myself and this can be my job. 
you really have to be your own cheerleader. And it, I think it takes another type of person sometimes. I think most people are going to fail because they don't get the reward to risk ratio that they think they're going to get. Yep. People think YouTube is easy. They think you just become celebrity. They think everything's awesome. They think you get a Lambo once you get 100,000 subscribers. None of that's true. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, it's a hard thing to accept is that most people are going to fail. They are yep. because they don't, you like they're once they don't see the results and they don't get immediate gratification. Yep. They're like, what's the point of this? You know, same with me. First three years on YouTube, I made zero dollars off of what I was doing, but I loved it so much. And I knew, I just knew one day I would be making money off of it. I didn't have a doubt in my mind. And that's also what you need to do. I found there might be something spiritual behind this, you know, law of attraction behind this. But the the day that I removed every doubt in my mind about what I was doing with social media is the day that everything started to grow faster, just out of out of nowhere, kind of like you literally you have to know what's going to happen. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if everyone's like that, like never having doubt. Like there are probably people who have doubts all the time and still succeed. But I don't know. I just felt like I knew I just knew that one day I was going to be a YouTuber. And, uh, you know, you can kind of tell sometimes if someone is or isn't going to succeed. But yeah, we call it they have it. Yeah, they have it or they don't have it. Right. Right. Yeah. You can kind of tell. But yeah. That's that's all, just all the, another philosophical deep topic that right. is beyond YouTube, but it's a universal law. And so when you said not everyone believes in themselves and sometimes they still make it, that's pure luck. And luck isn't something that doesn't exist. It, it surely does exist. People win the lottery and stuff. And it's not because they believed that they were going to win the lottery. They got lucky. It's like throwing a dart and you happen to hit the bullseye with a blindfold on. Right. There is luck that comes in. And that's what confuses people with YouTube is some people, they're just like, how did they blow up? They always down talk themselves and they hate themselves, yada, yada. And then they have a million subscribers. But for the majority, the universal law is that you really do have to believe whatever it is that you think is going to happen is going to happen. It's called the power of the subconscious mind. It's a book you should read. It's a book that you should live by. And if you don't, you will create your own failures. Because if you say out loud to people like, I want to be a YouTuber. I want to get to 100,000 subscribers. But then after you say that in your mind, you say, but it's not going to happen for me. Like it doesn't happen for guys like me, people like me, or, you know, anytime you revert that statement you made by then countering it in your mind, you just deleted that statement from existing and you down talk yourself and you're guaranteeing that your subconscious will work to make you fail. If you know that you're going to succeed and you truly believe it, your subconscious works all the time. Like 90% of your brain doesn't work consciously. It's only like 10% of your brain that's actually working when you're thinking. Right. So the truths that you put into your conscious brain then sit into your subconscious brain and get deeply imprinted. And then your subconscious keeps working on it all the time in the background. Here's an example. Whenever you're trying to think of something, you know, you're in a conversation and you're like, oh man, what was that actor's name in that movie? And you're like, I can't, can't remember. It'll come to me. And then three minutes later, you it stop does. thinking about yeah. it. And then you're like, oh, it's Matthew McConaughey. It's because your conscious mind said, who is that actor? And then you said, ah, forget about it. Planted the seed. subconscious kept working on it. So it's the same thing. You say, I'm going to be successful and these things are going to work and I'm going to push through the ebbs and flows. Your subconscious goes, damn right. And then you're going to have 
creative ideas. You're going to have, you know, ideas of how to grow your channel. You're going to have ideas of how to grow your business, how to make money still working in the background. And you're going to sit there in the middle of the night going, Oh, that was a smart idea. I wasn't even thinking about that. Yep. Write that down. Yeah. And that's how I, that's like the, when people like ask me, what is the law of attraction all about? Or people just wondering in general, there is like some science to it. Like you're explaining. And like, I think that when you say these things all the time, it just makes your brain notice things in your surroundings that you wouldn't have noticed if you didn't say these things. Like for example, you know, I'm going to be a YouTuber. I want to be a YouTuber. I am going to be successful. You start to notice things that help you get towards that goal in your environment more. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's not some woo woo magical thing. It's just like subconscious mind planting the seeds. It's powerful. Do you have any specific tips to YouTube for people like trying to grow on YouTube? Cause I know that's like our main thing. Uh, but yeah, what, what, what would you say for YouTubers, I guess is the best way to grow. All right. So that is it for part one of this podcast. If you still want more of this interview and you want the whole thing, you can go to, like I said, patreon.com slash Cole Hastings to get the whole thing, as well as tons of other exclusive content. In part two of the podcast, we go more over YouTube channel secrets, how to build several sources of passive income, some investing tips Brian gives, how to stop overthinking. We dive deep into that and Brian's top books of all time. So if you want to get more, like I said, patreon.com slash Cole Hastings, but that's it for this podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And I hope you're subscribed on the platform of your choice because there's many more to come. Thank you. <laughs>